Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more. Access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 206 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode... It's still Respect Before Popularity, an update on your favourite episode. When M first came to me with her vision for the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast, I did the math. How many episodes were there in this concept? How many topics did I think I could talk about for 15 to 20 minutes in a way that brought real value to leaders at all levels? But then I had a terrible thought. What if no one listens? If we don't find an audience, we at least need to know one thing that we've put out some real high-value content that's guaranteed to help any leader who picks it up. This was our no-regrets move. The worst-case scenario was that we'd get some high-quality leadership content out into the world. But when we started, not knowing whether the concept would last, we decided to put some of the most critical topics first, things that would stand the test of time and be an invaluable guide for any leader who made the effort to listen. Fast forward almost four years, and we're now approaching 3 million downloads of the podcast in over 100 countries. But we weren't to know that at the time. So we put a fair bit of thought into which topics we covered. Amongst that first 30 or 40 episodes, there's some real gold to mine. They deal with many of the fundamentals of leadership that you won't hear about in the virtue-signalling world of desirable leadership attributes. Now, look, I'm not knocking that. If that stuff helps you to lead better, then I'm genuinely happy for you. For me, though, listening to that fluffy motivational stuff is like eating an air sandwich. There's no substance, so even though I might feel good for a fleeting moment, I'm still strangely empty. That's why the episode we decided to lead out with in No Bullshit Leadership was Respect Before Popularity. No fluff there. And if we only have released one episode, we wanted to be sure that leaders were exposed to this concept above all others. So today, I want to revisit that very first episode and give you an updated version that's even more accessible. 
Let's face it, my delivery in the early days was pretty shit, but it didn't matter. We've had so many leaders contact us to tell us how much of a difference this episode and the concept of respect before popularity has made to them, both personally and professionally. So I'm going to start today with an overview of episode one, the original episode exposing the concept of respect before popularity. I'm then going to dive a little deeper into the psychology of the need to be liked, and I'll finish by expanding on the respect concept, which I didn't focus on quite so much in episode one. So let's get into it. I'm going to give you a brief summary of episode one, but if you haven't heard it yet, I think it's still worth going back and having listened to in its entirety. If for no other reason than to hear my first feeble attempts at podcasting, there is hope for all of you. Now, I opened that episode with my favourite quote from Casey Stengel, the iconic Major League Baseball manager, and I don't see any reason to do anything differently today, because it goes to the heart of the concept. He said, The secret of leading people is to keep the guys who hate you away from the guys who are still undecided. Stengel's point is that when you take on a leadership role, Not being liked simply comes with the territory. If you don't accept it, there's very little chance that you'll be able to lead competently. You can fool yourself that your need to be liked isn't driving you, but it always comes out in the unavoidable symptoms. Procrastination. Lack of clarity. Low standards. Lack of value delivery. Mediocre team capability and performance. Worse than all of this, though, is that if you're hostage to your need to be liked, this will rob your people of the opportunity for them to improve. So many areas of leadership are riddled with conflict. They require you to put respect first because your popularity will always be at risk. Think about building your team's capability. If you aren't prepared to challenge, coach and confront your people, you can't lift their performance. The results you're able to achieve will be determined purely by people's individual professionalism capability and work ethic, which is going to be patchy at best. If you shy away from capability building, your team's going to be weak, your people won't grow, and you'll rationalise all of this by saying that you're keeping your people happy. In fact, subconsciously you're just feeding your own need to be liked. Think about negotiating. This is an adversarial construct by its very nature. The ability to sit comfortably in conflict is essential. Negotiation is not just about tactics and technique, although you have to have that too, of course. The thing that separates the good negotiators from the great negotiators is the ability to maintain extreme clarity and composure in a high-conflict scenario. But if you're sitting there wanting to be liked, you'll never be able to push the boundaries of the deal to find where the real value lies. Think about trying to improve your team's culture and performance. Is your team too polite? Look, sure, it's important that people treat each other with respect and dignity. But quite often, the appearance of politeness is nothing more than a cover for a passive defensive culture. People don't contribute fearlessly, and they'll say it's because of respect for the other people in the team. But if they really respected them, they'd tell them the truth. They'd challenge their teammates, respectfully of course, to help them improve their understanding and perspective. But there's conflict in this, and it's so much easier to avoid, right? Putting the need to be liked ahead of the need for respect is also a killer for diversity. 
Why? Well, because you can put whoever you want into a seat. That doesn't bring any value at all per se. In fact, sometimes it actually creates problems if the other people on the team believe the appointment wasn't made on the basis of merit. The value in diversity only comes when you can liberate that diversity of thinking and experience in the day-to-day interactions in your team. To create a culture where people are confident to put their views on the table, debate those views, and wrestle issues to ground. Constructive tension is an essential ingredient of performance. Now, in the original episode, I shared one of my favourite lines at this point, and it's become a bit of a Martyism over time. As I used to say to my direct reports, you've got to bring something different to the table. If you think the same as I do, then at least one of us is redundant. And it's probably not me. Now, by this stage of episode one, I was pretty much on a roll. (laughs) I used the example of how the need to be liked affects your ability to communicate to your workforce. Try speaking in front of a hostile crowd in a town hall-style meeting at a blue-collar industrial site. A heavily unionised workforce whose belief system is founded on scepticism and distrust, and the belief that, at any given time, management is somehow trying to screw the workers. If you're focused on your need to be liked, as opposed to what your audience needs to hear, you will hate that experience, and you'll avoid delivering the hard messages. You've got to be strong enough to interact, to take questions from the floor, and to stand firm. Knowing that your job isn't to be liked, it's to communicate the important messages to your people. You may not be liked, but if you want to get anywhere, you have to be respected. I talked about how to recognise if you are conflict-averse or not. I've learned in the last few years that the problem is every bit as widespread as I've found in my own corporate experience. But leaders come to work with their game face on, so it's not always obvious that they have a problem. And for those leaders, because human beings are so proficient at rationalising virtually everything, it's easy for them to create a plausible excuse for avoiding any potential conflict. I talked about how to recognise if the leaders below you were conflict-averse or not, particularly looking for indicators like uh, an unwillingness to address their people's performance issues, being slow to make decisions, exhibiting extreme stress when challenged or questioned, and rationalisation for lack of action, which of course comes in a hundred different flavours. Now I'm going to come back to this one shortly because I want to take a slightly deeper dive into the psychology of the whole process. I went on in episode one to give you a few suggestions for getting over the need to be liked, the uh, psychological and emotional hacks, if you will. So number one was focus on the result you want, which gives you an external focus. Number two, focus on openness and transparency. Yeah, look, I know this is getting dangerously close to virtue signaling, but seriously, if you have a tendency to openness and transparency and you value it highly, it'll often overcome that urge to just be liked. Number three was to focus on your duty of care to your people. And number four was focus on giving feedback because it's a gift. Now, these are some of the foundations for getting into the mindset of respect before popularity. And I haven't changed any of these views since I recorded episode one. But what I will say is that to generalize this principle a little bit more, if you focus on other people rather than yourself, this is going to be the key to overcoming your need to be liked. I wound up episode one with a daily reflection discipline that I've used for many years. And this is the tool that I use to keep myself honest and to lift my own self-awareness. 
In fact, it's a great way to make sure that you don't believe your own bullshit, as so many leaders do. I'm not going to go through that again here, but we made a cool downloadable with the Daily Reflection Discipline, which you can get at yourceomentor.com forward slash episode one. All right, let's take a deeper dive into the psychology. Why is it such a challenge to get over the need to be liked? Well, look, it's programmed into all of us. It's part of our DNA and it's controlled by our reptilian brain. It's an instinctive response. Back in the day, it was all about survival. If you were cast out of the tribe, you wouldn't survive very long. Your fundamental need for safety was satisfied by belonging to the tribe. Now... We're saying that to be a competent leader, you have to overcome that basic evolutionary drive. It's at the foundation of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Until your physiological needs and the feelings of security and safety are satisfied, you'll never be able to meet your higher order needs. And it's the fundamental reason for why we do a lot of what we do. It's even responsible for some of the social constructs we've created over the centuries. Some of the differences in men's and women's behaviour can be traced back to this evolutionary truth. Doesn't mean it's right, it just is. Now, I don't want to get into this point too deeply, obviously, but suffice to say, the need to be liked is such an ingrained part of who we are as humans that it takes real effort to manage. We never truly overcome the need for positive regard and acceptance, but we can manage it in a way that puts respect before popularity. Putting respect before popularity takes empathy. It means you have to care about your people more than your own minor discomforts, your fear, your apprehension, and your awkwardness. Isn't it ironic that the road to effective empathy winds its way straight through the mire of conflict, challenge, and accountability? But once you understand the true power of leadership and how much impact it can have on those you lead you can begin to think about putting their well-being ahead of any of the implications for you personally, which will be immaterial in comparison. So think about this fact and use the mantra. There's no real danger to me. I'm just allowing my reptilian brain to drive me. The short-term risk of not being liked is way lower than the long-term detriment to me and the people around me if I don't step into this conflict willingly. I have to be respected to get this job done, but being liked is optional. I have a job to do. Then, of course, once you understand this principle and really believe it deep down, that gets shortened to respect before popularity. Now, I said I'd come back to the concept of leaders demonstrating their conflict aversion by inaction. We spoke about this in episode one, but it can actually be harder to identify than you might expect. It's a little counterintuitive. Someone who's frozen in leadership in action because of their fear of not being liked is sometimes the busiest leader on your team. Really? How can someone be frozen and busy at the same time? Well, it's because they bury themselves in busy work. They take on more than they can physically cope with. They never have time to do the things that are most required of leaders to maximise the value that can be achieved with the resources that the organisation is entrusted with them, so particularly the people. Instead, they keep their dance cards so full with stuff that they simply don't have time for the things that are most time-consuming, the hard work of leadership. 
they rationalise that what they're doing is more important than leading their people. Now, when you see that leader, don't be fooled by their frantic work ethic. That, too, can be an avoidance tactic. I want to finish off with a little more on respect. What's the relationship between popularity and respect? Well, let's be clear. You're not setting out to be unpopular or disliked. This is really about where you focus and where your emphasis lies. More often than not, respect and popularity coexist quite nicely. But here's the interesting thing. If you set out to be liked as your primary goal, it's hard to win respect. You generally present as being weak, uh, indecisive, malleable, and avoidant. These aren't the foundations that build respect in people, and certainly not in leaders. If you set out to be respected, on the other hand, it's likely that many people will grow to like you over time. Doing the things that people see as selfless is probably the most reliable path to respect. If self-interest dominates your thinking, your actions and your decisions, people are going to find it really hard to respect you. But operating without self-interest is incredibly difficult. It's another one of those areas where you're going to find yourself swimming against the current of your fundamental human nature. Self-interest is really hard to override because it's built into your autopilot. But I've got two really cool hacks for this. The first is to think about your self-interest as both a short-term and a long-term proposition. What's best for us in the short-term and what's best for us in the long-term may be vastly different. In the short-term, I want to spend my afternoon drinking a six-pack of beer by the pool so that I can just chill out. That would make me happy, relaxed and fulfilled. Today. But if I do that every day for a year, I'll be fat, I'll be ignorant, and I'll probably be getting skin cancers cut out of my arms and legs. Humans aren't particularly good at weighing short-term versus long-term benefits, but it's so critical to so many facets of leadership. I did a podcast episode on this ages ago, which really helps to consolidate this point. It was episode 29, Winning Without Self-Interest. You can find it easily at yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 29. Now, the second hack is one that I teach in Leadership Beyond the Theory to overcome self-interest in the decision-making process. One sure way to eliminate the allure of short-term self-interest is to put it on the line with the ultimate test of self-interest. Ask yourself the question before you make a decision. What if my life actually depended on making the right decision here? What would I need to do? Now, the right decision may or may not be in your own short-term self-interest, and it may also carry some personal risk. But if you believe in the fact that doing the right thing is rewarded in the longer term, this is going to sit pretty comfortably with you. Once you've worked out how to reduce or eliminate self-interest, you can back it up with the other important leadership characteristics, fallibility, transparency, integrity, and so forth. Now, in this context, these aren't just virtue signals because you can't fake them. They're not attributes that you should strive to develop in order to be a great leader. On the contrary, they're actually outcomes of strong leadership. So if you continue to do the work of leadership, learning to put respect before popularity and doing hard things when they need to be done, you will naturally develop these characteristics over time. 
But you can't start with those unless you have the foundations of strong leadership because your people will see through it a mile away. They might even like you, but guess what? They will never respect you. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 206. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please continue to spread the word about the No Bullshit Leadership podcast. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode, Leadership Transparency. Are there limits? Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader.